as we get ready to worship our Lord. I want, I want to give you guys a call to worship. Something we started, I, I think it's, it's very good. I'm going to read out of Colossians 1, verse 3. It says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. You know, when I was in India just the other week, I got back last Monday, and, you know, when you, when you go to a third world country, you, you kind of seem like their faith is much stronger and deeper than it is here in America because they're going through so many more things. You know, I was preaching at the general conference where there's pastors, the disciples, and then, you know, unbelievers from the church or community. They came in, and then at the end of the message, I gave it the altar call, and I said, you know, whoever, whoever's, you know, has not accepted Jesus yet, raise your hand. So maybe one or two people did. How many of you are sick? Another three or four hands went up. And how many of you just want more of Jesus? And then everyone's hands went up. And so I only pray for maybe two people for salvation, about three or four people to get healed from their sicknesses. And that's all I really wanted to pray for at that time. But you know what? Everyone came up. Everyone came up. You know, and I was reminded when I was praying for this woman about in the, in the Bible, the, the woman with the issue of blood, she just had to touch Jesus. She just had to touch Jesus. No matter what the doctor said, of, of, that she would never get healed. Of all the years she was looking for, for healing and going to specialists to try to get healed, the doctor said, you would never get healed. But she was so desperate for God. And I believe, you know, that even if she didn't get healed at that time, her faith still would have been deep. And so I want, God, I want to call you guys to worship and to, to worship God in your faith, to come to God desperate for him, desperate to show him love. No matter what's going on in your life, come to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Father God, I, I lift up everyone here, Jesus. Lord God, you say whoever on last lacks faith and lacks wisdom, Lord God, to ask you, God, increase our faith right now. Increase our faith, Jesus. Lord, we are desperate for you, God. And we will run to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. Come on. How many are excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on. This first song is a popular song in our youth group. So we're going to sing it out this morning. I want to challenge you to raise your hands, to dance, to shout to God. Because he's so worthy of it. Come on, amen. amen. Come on, help me sing this song. Through you. Here we go. If through you the blind will see. Sing it out. If through you the mute will see. If through you the dead will rise. If through you our hearts will praise. If through you the darkness flees. Through you my heart screams, I am free. Yes, I am free. We'll see it. I am free. Here we go. I am free to ride. Come on. I am free to ride. Yes, I am free to dance. I am free to dance. Yes, I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. Come on, we sing it again. Through you, the blind. But through you the blind will see. Come on. Through you the mute will see. Healing, Lord. 
Yes, I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. For see, through you the kingdom comes. Through you the kingdom comes. Through you the battles won. Through you. Through you I'm not afraid. Through you the price is paid. Through you there's victory. Because of you my heart screams I am. We're singing out today. Yes, I am free. I am free to love. I am free to love. Yes, I am free to dance. I am free to dance. Yes, I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. We're singing again. I am free. Yes, I am free to rise. I am free to rise. Yes, I am free to dance. I am free to dance. Yes, I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. Go see through you the kingdom comes. But through you the kingdom comes. Sing it out. The battles won. But through you, I'm not afraid. But through you, the price is paid. But through you, there's victory. Because of you, my heart screams, I am. How many you free today? Sing it out. Yes, I am free to ride. Yes, I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free to pull just the drums and voices. Sing it out. Yes, I am free. Go sing it. I am free. Go run. I am free to run. Yes, I am free. Free to dance for you, Lord. Run to sing. I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. Oh, come on, every voice is singing again this morning. Here we go. I am free. Yes, I am free to run. I am free to run. Yes, I am free to dance. Yes, I am free to live for you. I am. We'll sing it out. Yes, I am free to live for you. I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. Come on, make some noise. You're so worthy, Lord. You're so worthy, God. Come on. Lift up a shot in this place. We sing a song to you. Come on, church. Let's just worship him right now. Come on, lift your hands this morning. We're so excited to be in the house of the Lord. We praise.
praise you, Lord. You're so high and exalted. Oh, we love you. You set us free so we can dance. You set us free so we can sing for you. Oh, oh, come on, church. Just begin to worship him right now. Oh, would you let a new song come from your heart this morning? Our hearts praise you. We sing it from our hearts this morning. You're everything we want. You're everything we need. sing because on and on because on and on and on and on it goes because it overwhelms yes it overwhelms it satisfies my soul and I never and I never ever have to be afraid it's one thing it's one thing one Singing death and life, willing death in life. I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt, my debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your grace. Never runs out on me. 
Sing it out, your love. With your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. With your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Oh, sing it out, sing it out. Your love. Oh, come on, church, sing it again, your love. So love never fails and never gives up. Come lift your voice this morning. Come declare it. It never fails, oh God. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. Your love. All across this place right now with eyes closed and hands raised right now. We're just entering right now into a time of worship unto our God. We don't have to have loud music. You can just tell them right now, Jesus, I love you. Come on, just tell them right now in your own words. Say, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Lord, we love you. Oh, you mean so much to us. Come on, I don't know what you're going through in this place. You may be facing some trials, some problems, some situations in your life. And you may be saying this morning, well, I don't need to talk about love. I need to talk about how God's going to bless me. Because maybe you're going through some financial issues in this tough economy. Maybe you're going through some problems within the family. Or maybe you're just coming up here and just saying, man, I don't know if this is going to work out. And we're singing about God's love this morning. I want to tell you right now that it's in your worship when you sing these songs about God's love. You start feeling the freedom. You start feeling his love. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says that he is a good father. And that because he loves us, he's going to make sure that we're taken care for. He knows what we are going through. doesn't mean he's absent. It means that he's watching us and he has our best in mind. And you have to believe it this morning that when we sing these songs, that your love never fails, that you're believing in your heart no matter what situation that you're in this morning, that his love has never failed you. Maybe your surroundings, your situations have changed, but his love has never changed. He still loves you. And that's ever, that's all you need. That is more than enough. So this morning, we're going to tell ourselves, we're going to convince ourselves, we're going to sing it to him this morning in praise and adoration. Point if that's you and I was talking about you this morning, I want to encourage you as the band gets ready to play this song again. Your love never fails. It never runs out, it never runs out on me. I want you to believe it in your heart. And as you sing it, let love, let the love of God, let the Holy Spirit right now, he's in this place, let it fill your heart this morning. Come on, you may be saying, I'm not worthy of it. You're right, you're not worthy of it. The Bible says that we love because he first loved us. And he's waiting for your response this morning. Church, will you respond this morning to his love? Will you respond this morning? Just give you a couple of moments right now. God, we're going to respond to you this morning. We're going to respond to your great love. 
the love that you show on the cross through Jesus Christ. We're responding this morning. We're going to sing about it. Lord, we're going to dance about it. We're going to shout about it today that you've given to all people, that you've extended to all people. It's not because of what we've done, but because of grace and what you've done, oh God. Oh, we sing out to you. Shout on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out. Come on, sing it this morning. Your love never fails. And never runs out on me. Your love. Oh, come on, church, just begin to lift your voice. Sing it. Your love never fails. Yes. Come just receive it this morning. He's pouring it out. He's here right now. Just receive. Just respond this morning. We receive it, Lord. It's your love. Yeah, yeah. It's your love that fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. It's your love that fails that believes in the gifts of the Spirit. We're a church that believes that God is alive and well, and He desires to use His church to speak to us this morning. So right now, as the music just continues to play, the Holy Spirit is going out, and He's giving you words to encourage the body this morning. We believe that God gets excited when He comes and He speaks with us. So in an attitude of prayer, would you right now just turn your attention right now to the Lord? Just say, Lord, use me to speak this morning. God, fill me up with your words. Oh, we seek your face. Pray now if you believe the Lord.
Lord has given you a word today for the body, would you just go ahead and speak it out this morning? this morning we respond this morning by by laying down our lives we respond this morning by surrendering right now church would you just surrender everything right now to him we surrender our lives to you we surrender our lives to you we lay it down to us. 
cry out this morning. We're turning back to you. We're letting go of the counterfeits. We're letting go of all the fake things in our life. We're turning back to you. We turn back to you, Lord. We run to you this morning, church. Come on, let's run back to him. Oh, we're turning from our sins. Oh, we're leaving it behind. We're turning to Jesus. We're turning to Jesus. Oh, you're a holy God. We declare you're an awesome God. Oh, Jesus, and we cry holy, holy are you. Our hearts are
moment. You may feel very unholy uh, for the week you've had. And, and for maybe what you did last night or maybe for your attitude this morning. But God says he is holy. And he's the one who makes you holy. He makes you holy. He sanctifies you. He makes you clean. Do not be afraid of holiness. It's good for you. Yes, it's good before it's good for you. Approach Jesus. Yes. Call on a holy God, I dare you. If you don't feel it, worship till you do. Call on a holy God. Call on a holy God. He will, he will cleanse you. He will cleanse you. We cry holy. You are holy, Lord. So somebody to come up to this altar I dare the people that are the most squeamish right now, the most uneasy in God's presence, I dare you to come up to this altar and see what God does everybody within the sound of my voice, if you feel God tugging in your heart even, even a little bit, I dare you come to this altar as an act of worship, as an act of faith to say if I come here God's going to meet me, if I come to a holy God, he will accept me, through faith in Jesus he'll accept me if you're uneasy, if you're squeamish right now, especially, if you feel especially unholy, I want you to approach the holy God. Yes. He said we have confidence to approach the throne of grace. Brother, you can sing that part of the song. We are your burning ones. And as they sing, as they sing and come, come up to these altars, I want this altar filled. God wants to see this altar filled. We are consumed by you. Set our lives apart. We are consumed by you. We are your burning ones. We are your burning ones. We are consumed. We are consumed by you. And we said, We set our
souls with your desire. Let our passion bring you fresh. So let this heart be like a fire. Let our lives be like a flame. Fill our souls with your desire. Let our passion bring you fresh. Everyone in that heart of prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your finished work on the cross. God, we know nobody comes to you perfect. Nobody comes to you perfect. No one earns the right to be with you. You accept us. You make us holy. You change us, God. I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice, and myself included. Change us in your presence. Change us in your presence, God. One moment in your presence. One touch from a holy God. We'll change the rest of our life. We'll change our eternity. God says, don't be afraid of holiness. Don't be afraid to come close to him. The devil's biggest lie is that you can't be close to God because of your sin. Jesus died for your sins. Thank you, Father. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for making us holy. Thank you for offering free forgiveness and eternal life to all who call on Jesus. God Almighty. We bless you. We love you. And we just take a moment to bless God. Just thank him. Just thank him for loving you. Thank him for accepting you. Amen. Isn't God good? You may all find your seats in the presence of God. Isn't he good? Isn't he kind? Isn't he gentle? Isn't he patient? I'm overwhelmed by that, how patient he is. I could have died uh, in my teen years several times, having guns pulled on me, hit by cars and different things. Times I, I could have died, I could have went to hell, and, and God would have been right to put me there for all the evil things I'd done. And God's been so gracious to me. He's given me more than I could ever imagine. Amen. Just one more time. Just give it up for Jesus. Just thank him. Thank him for who he is. I want to take a time out right now to preach to you the gospel message. That word gospel, it means good news. It's the good news about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, and what that means for you and me. My name's uh, Jared, one of the elders here at Metro Praise. I lead evangelism and outreaches. I just want to take a moment. If you could all turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verse 32. I'm going to read to you the words of Jesus. He said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does that mean for you and I? I want to read this carefully. It's plain and obvious, but I'm going to read between the lines. I want you to understand what Jesus is saying. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Everyone say, the sick need a doctor. That's the first thing. We'll get to that in a moment. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous. I'm going to say it again. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Think about that. There are certain people that Jesus is not calling. He doesn't have anything to say to them. He's not interested in dealing with them. Now, I'll qualify that in a moment. 
But when he says, I have not come to call the righteous, he's talking in that context of Luke chapter 5. He's talking about self-righteous people, people who are right in their own eyes, people who are okay, people who don't see their need for forgiveness, repentance, and the mercy and grace of God. People who think they have it all together. Jesus is not interested in dealing with them. He said, I'll call the sinners, but you guys, I'm not here to entertain you. Come on. And so these self-righteous people, Jesus isn't calling them. And why isn't he calling them? Why isn't he speaking with them? Because they're not listening. They don't think they need him. If you don't see your need for repentance today, if you don't see your need for the mercy and grace of God today, I implore you, get with it. Repentance is square one. The first words of Jesus in the Gospels. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news. It was Jesus that said, the first one who said, repent or perish. Those were Jesus' words. In other words, turn from doing things your way. Live God's way. Confess your sin. Confess your junk. Get it out of your life. Get honest before God and ask him to change you. That's repentance. And that's what he's requiring. And truth be told, our pastor's preaching on children of God today. But friend, we can't talk about children of God. We can't talk about grace being filled with the Holy Ghost. We can't talk about heaven until we get past repentance. You won't graduate beyond that until you repent. Jesus is calling people who recognize their need for him. Not self-righteous, not goody two-shoes. I want to unpack this. You could all turn to Luke 18, verse 9 and 14. These are the words of Jesus once again. He said to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, this is your type A religious person, and the other a tax collector. And just to unpack that thought, tax collectors in Jesus' day, they were your bad character. We consider drug dealers that same way, like they're kind of shady, they're profession, they're dishonest. We don't want to associate with them in the same way they didn't want to associate with tax collectors. So there you got a religious leader, and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, not even this, this tax collector. Over here, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now you might say, well, I'm not a Pharisee. I'm not even a very religious person. Listen, religious hypocrisy is not just in the church. It's everywhere. It's a state of mind. It's a state of saying, I'm all right. I'm good. I got this. And I talk to so many people in evangelism say, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a rapist, I'm not Jeffrey Dahmer. And they compare themselves to the, to the scum of the earth so as to make themselves feel better. Come on. I work hard, I take care of my family. How dare you ask me to repent? How dare you tell me I'm under God's wrath? Friend, if you didn't need a Savior, what did Jesus come for? If you didn't need forgiveness, why did he die on the cross? If you didn't need a new life, why did he resurrect? we can't get this in our hearts, our need for God, our need for his mercy and grace, we have nowhere to go. Look at what the tax collector said. He stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Humble and contrite. It said elsewhere in the gospel that prostitutes and tax collectors would get into heaven ahead of religious people. Why? Not because he affirms their sin or their lifestyle. Not because he's just against religious people. Because prostitutes and tax collectors, they know they're jacked up. They know they need a life change. They know they, they have tons of regrets and things they can never undo in their lives. 
and they would have a heart to come to Jesus. They would see their need for Jesus. And Jesus said, I tell you, that man rather than the other went away justified before God. We can't impress God. Some people will do anything to get to heaven except bow their knee and repent. Acknowledge their wrong before a holy God. They would give their life savings and buy a ticket to heaven if they could. Come on. But the gospel is a stumbling block because it tells the world you're wrong. It tells me I'm wrong. It tells you you're wrong. When I gave my life to Jesus, I understood I was dead wrong in what I was doing, how I was thinking, every part of me. And I had to realign myself to God's purpose and to God's way. No wonder the Bible's been burned and banned in so many countries and Christians have been put to death for this gospel because it's such an offense to ask men to repent, to remind them of their sin. We try to circumvent repentance. Atheism says there is no God. There's no one to be accountable to. New age religion that's so popular nowadays, Eastern religion, says you are God and sin is just an illusion. Sin is You only feel bad about sin because you feel bad about it, so stop feeling bad about it because you decide what's good and what, what's bad. People think this way. But at the end of the day, the Bible says we are destined to die once and then the judgment. We stand before God accountable. I want to tell you, you might say, well, I'm not that bad a person, or you might acknowledge, yeah, I'm jacked up. There might be people in here who did hard drugs, prostitution, gang banging, probably bust some heads in the past, you know what I'm saying? And you might have changed your whole way of life around, but I tell you, you still need a Savior. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. I implore you, friend, the sick need a doctor. Dr. Jesus has the cure for your sin sickness. Can you imagine, can you imagine for a moment, you're sick, coughing up blood, thin and pale, and you're telling the doctor, I'm fine, I'm fine, really, I'm fine, get out of here, stop telling me I'm sick. You're not, you're only fooling yourself. We have a a sin sickness, goody two-shoes got it, the bad people got it. Everybody lies, everybody slanders, everybody lusts at some point, everybody at some point says, God, I'm going to do me. And they live life their way. And that's a sin against a holy God. We need to repent. We need to be forgiven. We need God's mercy and grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Without Jesus, there's nothing but perishing. There's nothing but loss. But God sent his son on a rescue mission for sinners. How many can just acknowledge that I'm messed up? Anybody want to amen that? I've been forgiven of a lot. And those who don't see it, if you don't see your need for repentance, I implore you, every day is a grace day. You're living uh, on God's green earth. This is the day the Lord has made. His mercies are new every day. You know, you buy products, they say made in China. Somewhere in your body, it says made by God. Everything you have is from God. You say, well, that's about my family. Your family was from God. You could have been barren. Come on. Every day is a grace day. Friend, I encourage you. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. If you could all just stand up. This first act of repentance, we're going to share a statement of faith. We're going to recite it as a church. And if this gospel message meant anything to you, if you know that you need the Lord this morning, if you know that you don't have the abundant life that Jesus came to give you, if you know that you're playing religious games, then this will be your first act of repentance. You're going to say, this, this confession of faith, that's, my, that's, what, that's mine now. 
you're going to adapt God's worldview. You're going to adapt God's way of thinking. You're going to reject your own, your own way of doing things that got you in that mess, and you're going to do things God's way. Amen? And as we do that, we're going to have a time of fellowship following. And we have Jessica and Salvador. Can you guys raise your hands? They're back here by the kiosk. Friend, if you see your need for God, go to them today. Make a beeline for them. They'll pray with you. If you don't know how to repent, they'll, they'll tell you how. If you don't know how to pray, if you don't know how to get right with God, they'll tell you how. If you need to be a disciple, if you've been playing games with God and you don't think you need to be a disciple when Jesus commanded it, go to them. We'll plug you in. We'll get you in a life group. We'll love on you, all right? You'll leave this church knowing people love you and care about you. Amen? So we're going to say this statement together as a church on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Give it up for Jesus. We're going we're gonna to have a little fellowship time. It's going to be a fun, dancing time, but it's not taken away from the seriousness. If you know you need to get right, Jessica and Salvador are there to help you get you discipled. Amen. Reach your neighbors, love on somebody that somebody you haven't met yet.
and amen. As you make your way back to your seat, tell somebody you love them this morning. just want to welcome you to Metro Praise. My name is Joe Y. Rostick, and I'm the host of this party slash DJ. Praise God. When I say Jesus, you say Christ. Say Jesus. Saying Jesus. See, you know what I'm talking about. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm so glad you're here. Amen. If I don't get a chance to welcome every single one of you today, I do want to tell you that via the people of this church, thank you for coming. What an honor to have you here this morning. I see families. I see friends. I see people that uh, have come a long way, and I don't want to embarrass them too much, but the Krause family all the way from Arizona, would you just stand? Can we welcome them here? Jerry's mom and dad and brother Dale. Amen. Good to have you guys here. And Dale, would you stay standing? Because we were talking about this. I'm going to embarrass you. Uh, I'm sorry, not Dale. <laughs> you're Tom, thank you. Dale, you're, let's give it up for Dale. Single guy, right? So that, that wasn't a wasted extra stand. 70 years old this weekend. Doesn't he look good? And I asked him what it was, and he said it was the glory of God and doing some wise things. If you want to learn how to look like him 70, he'll tell you some of the tricks. Amen? Let's give it up for Dale and the Krause family. Amen. I already look like I'm 60 right now, gray hair everywhere. You just got to pray for me, so we got to keep working on that. But I should be thankful I have my hair. Amen. So I got a trick there, I guess. God has blessed me. We're just so glad you're here. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. is our main service, and we have a special service coming up the last Sunday of the month. It's going to be Touching Heaven, Changing Earth. Everybody raise up your hand and say, Touch Heaven. And now touch your neighbor and say, Change Earth. Amen. We want to see you come the last Sunday of this month, August 26th, not just by yourself, but with a friend or family member, co-worker, somebody that you know needs a miracle. We believe every service should have miracles. That's why we have times of prayer at the end. But specifically, that whole service, Sunday, August 26th, I'm going to dedicate to teaching on faith, miracles, how you can receive them. There's a reason why Jesus, when he went to the uh, the pool of Bethesda, only one man got up out of his mat. Only one was healed there. There's a reason why at the time he was walking to visit Jairus's daughter that only one was healed as she pressed in to touch the hem of Jesus's garment. We're going to teach you how to increase your faith and to believe God for miracles. Because some people teach in the church that well, it's wishy-washy with God. You know, coming to God for a miracle is like throwing a quarter in the wishing well. You know, and then other people want you to come stomping your feet demanding God to do, and if he doesn't have a pity patty party, we want to teach you the perfect balance to believe God does want to do a miracle in your life, and here's how he does it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. So that's going to be coming up last Sunday, and then next week we'll also be talking about preparation of that, understanding the miracles of the Bible and getting you ready. And then every Wednesday we have encounter night, and the last Wednesday of the month is going to be our back-to-school bash. We're going to be giving away school supplies to all the kids that come. So parents, bring out your neighbors with kids. We're going to have a lot of activities, free food, and video games. If anybody loves families, can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. So here's what our normal calendar looks like. Sunday morning, 10 a.m., main service. Wednesday, every Wednesday here we have Bible study and Royal Rangers Impact in the back, which is Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts for Jesus. And then Friday is Elevate. Come on. So, Adam, tell us what's going on, man, I've got at the youth group for teenagers. Amen. This past Tuesday we had a little competition. We were building sandcastles. And I know what you're thinking. Like, 
little small sandals. I'm talking about with trap doors, castles, like up to the sky. So it was cool. So the winners get a pizza party this Tuesday. So you don't want to miss out. We're having fun Tuesday at 5 o'clock. We're meeting here. And Fridays, every Friday at 730, it's going down. So let me just know this. So Tuesdays now has become a beach day. Is that what's going on? It's getting a beach day before the weather just becomes really cold and we can't do it no more. Dude, how many youth groups do you know make a beach day? Come on, somebody. Let's give a big amen for that right there. Tuesday, beach day, Friday, youth group. I'm excited about that. God is moving in this place. Thank you, Adam, for, for loving our young people and doing great things with them. We want to invite you to join with the vision of Metro Praise. Our vision is to love God and love people. Can everybody say, love God? Love God. Now say it like you mean it. Say, love God. Love God. And say, love people. love people. Look at your neighbor. Say, people like you. Come on, look to your other neighbor. Say, people like you. Some of you thought I was going to trick you, but I'm not going to do it this time. We love God and love people. We want to invite you to join with the vision of Metro Praise. This church started seven years ago with a purpose to love God and love people. Everything we do is focused on that. And the way we do it is connect you to the cross of Jesus Christ, teach you about the cross of Jesus Christ, and send you with the cross. If you want to change the world with the cross of Jesus Christ, can I hear somebody say, let's do it. Come on, let's do it. And the first way to connect to this church is through life groups. Life groups are home Bible studies with food, fun, and fellowship. If anybody's excited, make some noise. See, I got you all trained. Every week we get excited. And now you're just excited because you're excited. It's not just because I asked you to get excited. How many are really excited about life groups? Amen. Not just because I'm excited. Do you know that Metro Praise started about four blocks over on Addison and Keeler in our house in a life group? That's how it started. Where's Jessica and Salvador at? Because they were members of the first life group. Let's give it up for them. Seven years. Let's give it up. Come on. That takes a lot of grace to be with us for seven years. They remember Joe would come with the little Bible study. My wife would be there. You know, we would do our thing. Now we have them with the life group. Life groups meeting all throughout the city different times during the week for youth group. This is the way you connect. Jesus never wanted you to be the one-man Christian out there all by yourself. He wants you to connect to the cross through those relationships. There wasn't one disciple. How many disciples were there? Amen. And that is the point of a life group is to get you around some disciples. And then everybody say, Mentor. Thank you. Mentoring is not intimidating, but mentoring should be exciting. This is where we raise you up to be a world changer, history maker, and a roof breaker. And I got an email because I have FormSpring on our website. It's an anonymous place to ask questions. And so let me just warn you, if you ask a question there, it's anonymous, but I can bring it up on Sunday. Okay? So here it is. Here's the anonymous question. We don't know who you are. You may be here today. We don't know. But the question was, Pastor... I just want to come to church. Do I really have to be a part of the Bible studies and be sent out to be a disciple? And we said yes, and we thought maybe they didn't understand, so we started to explain more. And then we got to the end. They said, well, you know, I kind of think that's what Jehovah Witnesses do. You know, they go out and preach and all that. I don't know if I'm called to do this. My friends, our culture has confused what God has called us to do with what cults are doing. Are you kidding? My friend, Jesus came to make disciples. You don't show up on a job without on-the-job training, and you don't show up expect, without being expected to do something. Showing up on Sunday is not the grand all, it all, be all. It, this is just the beginning. This is your on-the-job training to get out there and change the world. So, yes, you can come through the door. We're not going to have membership cards like I'm a disciple, boop, and you can be let in, and then I'm, no disciple, you can't come in. 
No, but it will get kind of annoying because we're going to tell you about this every week. We're going to do what Jesus came to do because Jesus didn't just come to make you a cute little Sunday morning Christian. Look at your neighbor and say, you do look nice, but that's not all he asked you to do. So when you're in that life group, ask the mentor to begin to disciple you. And then you'll go through the 101. And after that, you'll go through the 201, which trains you up to change the world for Jesus. It will affect your family. It will affect your job. Everything you do through Christ, seeking him first, will bless you. It's worth your time. Make time for Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And then we'll send you out to change the world because that's what he wants you to be, is a roof breaker and a history maker. He wants you to change the world you live in. And how about some change in Chicago right about now. Amen. If you believe Chicago needs some change, can I hear an amen? Amen. 100,000 disciples is the goal. 50 churches in 500 around the world. And some might say, that's a lot. You know what? I'm a young pastor. I got a lot to give. Amen. We just started. So hopefully by the time I breathe my last breath, Joe Jr. Lucas will run in and go, daddy, we got 100,000. I'll go home to meet Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I want to tell you about what we're doing around the world. Chris Vitali represented us in India uh, the other week, went to two parts, Delhi and Coimbatore. Chris Vitali, would you come and tell us about your wonderful trip serving the people? Here's our two apostles, Pastor Jabez in the middle with 80 churches in Coimbatore, Pastor Anil with 80 churches in New Delhi. And Chris, you got to spend time with them. Just tell us how it went. Everything was such an honor. It was just just an honor and so welcoming to be there. Such a privilege. I don't, I, there's no words to describe it, really. When I, when I got there, from the, from the time I got there, from the time I left, they were by my side, welcoming me, honoring me, giving me what I needed. And it was just an honor to, to be there at the, at the conferences to preach the gospel, to, to preach on the vision of Metro Praise, loving God, loving people, to preach on the strategy, connect, mentor, and send, and to have them actually come up with their own goal to reach their cities. It was just such an honor to be there, and they were, they were just so welcoming. And I, it was, I, I can say it was an honor a million times and still want to, you know, give across the, the emphasis I want to portray. It was, it was a beautiful thing. When I went to the, the villages, it, you know, you just have random people walking down the streets. And you see, uh, our pastors over there and just Christians over there in general are just so persecuted heavily. So actually, you know, going to the crowds, it was, it, it's hard to go to the crowds and just start preaching Jesus because one person will get mad and, and it'll just be like a chain effect, a domino effect, and everyone else will be just, you know, just mad and heated up because of that. So we, we went to individuals. We just preached the gospel. We said, hey, you know, can we? talk to you about Jesus and, you know, just come up with, with certain things. And there was this one guy, you know, came across, he, he actually he had an American uh, cap on, and, you know, I was just, I was interpreting through you know, one of the pastors, and I was just like, you know, you, you got to know that Jesus loves you. And by the end of the conversation, you know, after you were talking for like five minutes, end of the conversation, he was just, you know, tear coming down his eye. And, you know, he was, he was kind of, you know, taken aback. He didn't want other people seeing him that, 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 he was talking to us, and he didn't want anyone to see that he was crying. And so we, we, we left it at that, and he's in contact with one of the pastors. And it was just a beautiful thing to see someone so wrapped up into, into their religion, Hinduism, and then, you know, then seeing Jesus touch his heart and him crying. It was, it was a beautiful thing. Amen, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Everyone just close your eyes and raise up your hands to Jesus. And let's, let's, let's go to God and ask him to save India. Amen. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we lift up India to you, God. We call her by name. We present her to the Father in Jesus' name. Lord God, we ask now for riches. We ask now for fame. But we ask for the millions in India that are dying without Jesus. Lord, save India, Lord God. Lord God, this flag represents a nation of almost a billion people. Lord God, they're going through so many hardships and the Christians are having so, are going through so many troubles, Lord God, of trying to reach people for you. God, I ask you, give them strength, Lord. Give them strength, Lord God. Let them not succumb, Lord God, to the, the ideals of their society and culture, Lord God, but succumb to the ideals, Lord God, of the Bible, of the principles of the Bible. Come back to the Bible, Lord, and to live out their faith, Lord God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you for salvation of souls, of many souls, Lord God. We lift up the pastors to you, God, the work that they're doing, Lord God. Anoint them to preach the gospel, Lord God, to set the captives free. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for the salvation of India, Lord. In the name of Jesus, India is saved. Hallelujah. Let's praise God. Thank you, my brother. Well, it was because of your gifts that he was able to go to India, and now we have hundreds of churches there. People using our books, using the materials, looking forward to our conferences every year. And it's not just happening in India, it's also happening around the world. We're asking you to partner with us. We believe that if you will be a biblical giver, the Bible says in Malachi, biblical giving is tithes and offerings. Can everybody say tithes and offerings? Thank you. An offering is 10% of your total income to the Lord. Whatever you make, giving it first to God. In a time when every believer does that, who calls that, uh, whenever every believer does that in this church, who calls Metro Praise their church, all of our bills are covered here. The bills are covered here by the tithe. And then the offering is what we give extra above that tithe, and we can give it to missions and to the expansion of what we do here. And that's why our envelopes have under offering building or missions. But I want to encourage you that if you haven't set up a goal, that you would begin to do that, that you would set up a goal to be a biblical tither, that whatever comes into your hands, you would give 10% of. My wife and I have been doing this since we were saved because our Christian parents taught us this and I know many of you were taught this as well but for those of you who are new we love you we welcome you but we don't judge you by this we just want you to know this is what God commanded us to do based on money and let me tell you why money is important to the kingdom of God because if you don't give it to God it can have your heart and the Bible says you can't serve two masters you'll love one and hate the other you can't serve both God and money so we give to break greed off of our heart every time I get paid and I give a tithe you know what I'm doing I'm breaking greed the second thing I'm doing is the Bible says for us not to store treasures just on this earth that eventually go away but to store treasures in heaven that never go away so when we give we're giving to a treasure in heaven that we'll have forever how many of you believe in heaven how many of you believe you'll be in heaven longer than you'll be down here? Amen. So it's worth it. And then the third thing is the Bible says when we give down here to good churches, and I believe Metro Praise is a good church. Can I hear a witness to that? Can I hear an amen? Good churches change the world. 
Good churches change the world. Free tutoring, free Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts for Jesus, youth programs for free, the things we do overseas for free. When Chris traveled around and did the missionary work, everything was a blessing from us to them. I said, what are some of the little things you need that we wouldn't think about, you know, but we could bring to really bless you? A web camera, Microsoft Office, a laptop. These are the kinds of things that we just give to them. Because we believe God has called us to change the world down here. So why do we give? Break off greed. Store up treasures in heaven and change the world down here. If you're ready, would you stand up to your feet and just bless the Lord for what he's done in your life. Come on, bless him. You may not have everything you want, but he's been good to you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can somebody say thank you, Jesus, for what he's done in your life? Hallelujah. Before we ask God for one other thing, we need to thank him for all the things he's done. Amen? Father, we now pray and ask you to bless your people. God, we are in a time of recession, but this did not take you by surprise. It's not the first drought that your people have faced. But yet, God, even in times of drought, you would provide for your people. In unexpected ways, you would still provide. And so, Lord, we ask you to break the spirit of debt and recession off of your people here. We pray for business owners to be blessed. We pray for sales to come. And, Lord, we pray for wisdom and invention to come so that new things, God, can happen in this economy through your believers here. And I pray you do it for them and their family, and not only for their family, but for families around them. Bless us to be a blessing in this world. We lift up our mayor, and we pray for public repentance, for the foolishness of his heart against our businesses that are Christian. We pray for repentance in our government from overspending and corruption, and we pray you save this nation again, God. We don't look to politics, but we will work through politics, but we first look to you. Our motto is is in God we trust. Do it again, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Let's say what the Bible says to our needs today. Philippians 4, 19, 1, 2, 3. And my God will meet all your needs according. Come on, if you believe it, come on forward as you give today rejoicing. Thank you so much. God bless you. Go ahead and sing a little bit too for us. Thank you. Yes, I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free to live for you. Yes, I am free. Yes, I am free. Yes, I am free. Yes, I am free to dance. Yes, I am free to live for you. Can I hear somebody say freedom? Amen, brother. Can we say it in Spanish? Libertad. Libertad. Can you can you chant it and I'll say it with you? Because I don't say it so well. One, two, three. Libertad. Libertad. You know what I'm talking I was about? Sing it out, yeah. But you're you want to sing it? Let's sound it out. One, two, three. Libertad. Libertad. That was awkward. I'm sorry. I tried. Welcome, welcome to the sermon that we're moving on to now. I am a child of God. This is the conclusion to our series on the identity in Christ, a message as we've been preaching for the month of August.
I want to encourage you today as we get started, if you have a Facebook or a computer, make sure you listen to this again by YouTube because I have over 50 scriptures I have to read in this sermon to drop it like it's hot. I've got to give it to you. And for some of you, it's going to feel like I'm talking faster than I've ever talked before, and it's going like that. But you're going to feel Jesus. You're going to be like, he's talking so fast. I don't know what he's saying, but I feel Jesus. Yay. And it's going to be awesome. So what I want you to do is like go home, take a deep breath and go, he's not here, and just push play and just relax and listen to it again, okay? Because I guarantee you this is going to be deep. You're going to get touched here. You're going to get rocked here. But it's going to be so awesome you're going to want to check it out. Can I just get an amen? Okay, so here's what we've been talking about, our identity in Christ. Here are the scriptures from our first lesson. And we talked about where they came from in Ephesians and Corinthians and Philippines. and uh, uh, Not the Philippines, though we love the Philippines. Amen. Uh, Philippians and Romans and there's where the scriptures are and I want us to read it together on the count of three one two three because of Jesus's work on the cross I am God's masterpiece I am here to do good works prepared for me in advance all my old junk is gone everything is new in my life my new nature is righteous just like Jesus is righteous come on because of the father's generosity in Jesus's work I I am both spiritually and materially blessed. Jesus has given me every blessing I will ever need. When I pray and bring thanksgiving, God hears me. Jesus gives me peace beyond my understanding and every troubled situation. Because of Jesus' victory, I am victorious. Jesus gives me victory over each and every situation I face. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. That is what we develop. That's your identity. That is who you are. But do you always feel that way? No, you don't. Do I always feel that way? No, I don't. Monday mornings aren't always the same as Sunday mornings. Sometimes bill day is a lot worse off feeling than payday. Anybody else feel like that? And sometimes not only do we not feel like we are who God says we are, we don't always act like it. Sometimes we sin and we go into a direction of Satan and the way of evil. And then the devil's right there to bring condemnation to say, now look, see, you're not a child of God. You thought you were changed, but you're just like every other sinner. God didn't do anything inside of you. That's just a bunch of hoopla at church. That's just make-believe. How many have ever heard that voice from the devil, condemnation, tell you after you sinned, you're just a sinner, you'll never change? You were born this way. Your mom and daddy dealt with it. You've always dealt with it. Don't expect anything else out of life. But repentance restores us into that fellowship, and we need to keep walking with Christ. And so whether it's external situations, whether it's our feelings, or whether it's times when we sin, there is a crisis in our identity in Christ. And that's been the basis for the month's messages is that you need to believe who God says you are, whether or not it always feels like it or whether or not you always act like it. Now today, we are going to get into a clarification of what I mean. We are going to learn about being God's child, and as Jared, unknowing that I was going to deal with this today in review, spoke very clearly, and I will also read it from John chapter 8. We are not born into the kingdom of God. We are born into a sinful nature that Adam and Eve have handed to us because of corruption. However, because of God's overarching grace, all children are God's children. Jesus loves all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. So he looks to these children as a part of his creation. 
But as man or woman grows and their conscience becomes awakened, and now they are aware they are a lawbreaker, there must be a transformation of heart and mind. There must be salvation. So before Jesus, and this is in Ephesians 2, don't have time to read it, otherwise we'd get to 75 scriptures. So this, write this down. Ephesians 2 describes who you are before you met Jesus. Your body is your brain, organ, and five senses. Your soul is your inner person with mind, will, and emotions. And the spirit is the life that you have within you. That's why you're alive today. But the spirit of this age is what's inside of you that motivates you. It was more easy to lie than it was to tell the truth. Do you remember those feelings? Go back to when you were young and your conscience was awakened. And, you know, maybe you were playing and something broke in the house or you were not supposed to do something and you did. And your parents asked you, did you do that? Was not the first reaction inside of you to tell a lie. I'm already seeing it now in my three-year-old daughter. You know, I'll hear something drop in the background, and I know she had the iPad. And I'm like, did you drop the iPad? No. And I'm like, what did I hear? I don't know. And she's three years old. But as you can see, the older we get, it's not actually the better we get. It's actually the worse off. And the Bible says that the spirit of the age, as a part of this world, Satan has authority. His demons have power. This doesn't mean we're demon-possessed. Spirit here is meaning his influence. So through his influence, through the thoughts of others, the teachings of others, the attitude, as you could say spirit here means, the attitude of this age is from Satan, and we act like it, we feel like it, and we do things according to it. And that's why we get offended when somebody tells us, like Jesus or a good preacher, says we need to get born again. Because now we get offended. We have adopted this sinful way of being. It has become our master, and we really think this is our identity. So somebody will say, this is how I was born. I was born angry. I was born a homosexual. I was born to make love to many women. Come on. Come on, fellas. I was just born a dog pastor. Not much I can do about it, Ralph. You better get born again. You're going to split hell wide open. Listen to me. Listen to me. That's what the Bible says. That's why it became natural. And then it becomes offensive to us to be told we're wrong. It becomes offensive to us to be told we're not thinking right. But that's the gospel message, John 3, 3. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. And where does that born again birth happen? It happens on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is now in you. When we say Jesus lives in your heart, we don't mean little Dito statue size Jesus is in the arteries of your body, just, you know, kind of going with the beat there. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. I'm little Jesus and I'm in their heart. That's not what he's doing. When we say Jesus is with us, he told us in John 16, it's by the presence of the Holy Spirit because these three are one being Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three separate persons persons but one being so where the holy spirit is there is the father and son and what happens is now you are given a new life and that new life penetrates on the inside of you you are rebirthed in your spirit and your soul your mind will and emotions are made new you are made new when you're made new you become a new creation when you become a new creation you put on the new self when you take off the old self there aren't two born-agains. It's not like my little spirit gets born again now, and it's like, hello, I'm the spirit, and I'm born again. And the soul, he's not born again. And then when we die, the soul gets born again. No, you are born again now, born again again. You're born again. 
You've been given life again. Are you listening to me? And, and who are you? You are the spiritual life that God's breathed into you, and you are that mind, will, and emotions. Now, the problem is from the moment we're born again, there is now a battle. And we don't understand what's happening, and the devil uses deception. I want to give you three scriptures just to understand this. 1 Peter 1.9 says, For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Everybody say, the goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls, and we are receiving it now. So your soul, your mind, will, and emotion is being saved right now and is, in a sense, saved. It is saved. Hear this. Your soul is saved. Your mind, will, and emotions. That is the new you. That is how you were changed. That is what is on the inside of you. God changed your mind and gave you the mind of Christ. When you sin, you repent, renew it back to the mind of Christ. Jesus has changed your emotions. When your life gets into a storm, pray, and the perfect peace will transcend your understanding and bring you back to peace. The problem that we don't understand, though, and this is the confusion to Christians, and let me just preface by saying this. In our church, we don't make this a divisive issue or a major issue. Some have been taught otherwise. Some believe otherwise. That's okay. Discuss it with our life group leaders. Share your thoughts. That's okay. Share scriptures. This is just what we believe. This is how we perceive it after years of studying. And I believe if you pay attention closely to these scriptures, if you've been taught otherwise, you will be taught this way, and it will bless you and encourage you. Can I hear an amen? Because I know it has encouraged me. What we don't understand is that we still carry around an old flesh. Now, some have been taught that the flesh they carry around, i.e. the sinful nature, is a part of their soul and their body. So they think the soul, the mind, will, and emotions is still wicked along with a wicked body. Is everybody tracking with me? But I am teaching you today that your soul is made new along with your spirit. How do I know that? Because in 1 Peter 2.11, he says, Dear friends, I urge you as alien and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Sinful desires are not your soul, not in your soul, but they're warring against your soul. Now, this is where we have to come to the understanding of a difference between your brain and your mind. The difference between feelings and your emotions. Are you guys tracking with me? I'm going to help you understand because not many are. Let me help you. Remember, going to watch it again on YouTube? Your brain has stored memories of sins that you've committed all throughout this world. They can now put, uh, you know, things to your brain and have you begin to think and talk and act. And they can see what parts of your brain are active. When your brain dies, do you stop thinking? Think about it. When your brain dies, do you stop thinking? So what is going on right now inside of you? Your soul, which is your mind, your psyche, which is in the Greek psyche, your soul uses your brain. It uses your organs. It's using your body. And when your body dies, you live on. How many believe your soul lives on after your body? Let's just start there. Okay, when your soul lives on, does your soul still think? Or will you just be in heaven like, I don't have any emotions either. I don't know how to feel. When you are in heaven, do you think? Are they thinking up there? Are they feeling up there? Are they doing things in their will up there? Yes, they're doing things in their will. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them perfect in body, soul, and mind, body, soul, and spirit. 
And when they sinned, what happened? The connection between God in their spirit and soul was disconnected. But when we get born again, it is now connected. The thing that we're waiting for is the body to be made new. So when you die and you go to heaven, who goes to heaven? You. Your soul and your spirit goes to heaven. What are you waiting for up there? A new body. Why? Because you need a brain that has no corruption in it, that will have no desires outside of God's desires, emotions, feelings rather, that will have no feelings outside of God. Let me give you an example. Has anybody here ever been hungry? Okay, has anybody ever been on a diet and you got hungry and you didn't like that hunger pain? Okay, are you your stomach? Are you the stomach? Could you tell your stomach, I'm not eating right now, I'm not getting down with this? How many of you know if you stay up late and you don't get a lot of sleep, you get more agitated? How many know, guys, you could have just prayed, spoken tongues, but if somebody walks by here, a young lady walks by here right now, there is testosterone, pheromones that will raise up in your physical body as temptation. Some of y'all ain't getting this. I'm going to read the scripture again. Dear friends, I urge you as alien and strangers, somebody say, since I have been born again, I'm an alien here in an earth suit. My flesh tempts my soul. There you go. It says, live such good lives among the pagans that they accuse that they accuse you of doing that they cannot accuse you of doing wrong, may see your good deeds and glorify the Father. Now, how do you win the battle? Because am I always in this yin and yang versus the flesh in the spirit? No, the battle is won through the word of God. The flesh is crucified by the word of God. So I offer my body as unto God. It is crucified. Now I make it my slave unto the righteousness of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1 Four through First Peter chapter four verses one through two says, "Therefore, since Christ suffered in His body, now arm yourselves with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in His body is done with sin." Somebody say, "Sin, I'm done with you." Okay, that should be your heart. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for human desires, but rather for the will of God. If you're born again, you're new. And your flesh has desires. It is the opposite of what the Spirit of God in you is saying. But there's only one you. There's not an evil you and a righteous you. There is the you that's born again. And you need to crucify those desires of the flesh. Those desires of the flesh are an illusion because they are not you. When your body dies, you will go to heaven, receive a resurrected body, and live forever on this earth. Don't let the pheromones, the testosterone, the memories, the thoughts, the feelings, the anything come and take you away from living for God. And how is the victory given? Through the word of God. First Peter 1, 22 through 22, uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 22 through 23. Now that you have purified your souls by obeying the truth. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Just put it up there for me in the ESV. Put it up there. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Why am I trying to help you? Because I want you to understand when you are born again, you are really born again and you need to live like it. Stop making excuses saying, well, I'm still feeling this. I'm still, put your feelings on the cross of Jesus Christ and live how God said. All sin has been done away with right now in you. Live for Christ Jesus. Look at what it says here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. When was my soul purified, my friends? 
when I obeyed the truth? Am I waiting for my soul to be purified? Am I waiting for my mind to be purified? Am I waiting for my emotions to be purified? When were my emotions, my mind, my will, when was it purified? When I obeyed the truth. So now you got to think of your life this way. The born-again believer is actually born again. This is you, pure. When you sin, miss the mark, disobey God, you are allowing impurity into your life. And the Holy Spirit will do his job and convict you. How many of you, the moment you got saved, you said a cuss word, you looked somewhere you shouldn't have looked, and instantly, bam, you got convicted? Why? Because the Bible is showing you he wants you to remain pure. What is the ongoing Christian life? What is the continual process of sanctification? Learning how to renew our minds to the mind of Christ we've been given. Learn how to walk worthy of the calling. Learning how to walk in the new self, not the old self. Learning how to crucify the old self and live to the... All of these are scripture verses saying you're a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So live like it and be done with sin. Now, some of y'all just want to keep on sinning. I ain't got nothing for you today. If you want to keep on sinning, you have no excuse here to do it. And somebody might already think, well, pastor, have you sinned? Do others sin? Yes. What do we do when we sin? Do we continue in it? Do we make excuses for it? No, God forbid. We repent of it and become pure from it. And not only do we just have to say, I'm a little sorry. I'm sorry for having sex with my girlfriend, but I'm going to do it again tonight. I'm sorry for being jealous, but I'm going to be jealous tomorrow. I'm sorry for stealing God's tithe, but I'm going to steal it next week. No, it's not just a fake little confession. Repentance is a turning from your sin. So it's saying, God forgave me, and he set me free. I'm going to live like the child of God he made me to be. That is the introduction. If you're ready for the word, say, I'm ready. That is not part of the 50 scriptures because now I'm going to prove it to you three different ways on what Jesus said, what John said, and what Paul said. Somebody say preach it. Let's go to John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47. Paul is going to be Romans 8, 1 through 25, and John is going to be chapter, 1 John chapter 3, 1 through 10. I want to show you what Jesus said. Somebody say, I don't believe it until I hear him say it. Come on, I ain't going to trick you this morning. Come on, somebody say, I don't believe it. Until I hear him say it. Now, some of you could say, Pastor, I'm with you because I've read it already, but don't believe it unless you hear him say it. I don't care what any preacher has said to you. Don't believe it unless it's in the word of God. Can I hear amen? Here it is. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47. Now, because I have practiced this, and by the way, I've just been obsessed with this all week long, I am just going to read this to you guys first. And I almost wanted like a reader to be up here, but I'm just going to do it because I don't want to be like handing the mic back and forth. But this is going to be powerful. I'm going to read the whole passage and let you just hear it. So this is what I need you all to do. Don't zone out right now. Oh, pastor's reading a little scripture. No, what I need you to do is I need everybody to put on their imagination cap. Okay. And I want you to pretend we are like in kindergarten reading time, okay? And I'm going to say, everybody pretend you are in the audience of Jesus. You're there, and you're hearing him talk. 
Okay? So I want you just to put yourself there. You're on the shores of Galilee. You're hanging out right now. You're in this context, and Jesus is talking. Can you all just do that today? Because I don't want you to think like Joe is trying to interpret this his way. I just want to read it because this is the re- uh, re- uh, the recording of John and the narrative of what Jesus said. I just want to hear what he said. Can I hear an amen? I'm just going to read the whole passage. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. How can, uh, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for me and my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in my father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come from God, and now am here. I have not come of my own, but by him who sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear this is that you do not belong to God. Come on, somebody say, oh, snap. Children of God, children of the devil. Am I making it up? You were there, right? You could see Jesus' hair blowing in the wind, that soft, straight hair. Come on, some of the ladies wish they had. That Maybelline hair, Jesus' hair. And he's saying it, but what is he saying? Well, well, I want to say sexy Jesus, but some of y'all are going to stumble. You know what I'm talking about. We never see an ugly Jesus, which, by the way, the Bible says his looks did not attract us to him. So sometimes I feel he might have looked more like me than he did like Andrew, our Sam, sound man back there. Look at Andrew right there. Imagine him with long, flowing hair. He's been our Jesus before. Awkward again. Shouldn't have gone there. Jesus, having a serious talk, says there's children of God and children of what? The devil. How do we differentiate between children of the God, children of God, children of the devil? By those who sin or those who set free from sin. Isn't that what it says? Go back up to the key verse. Put yourself there. Of course, you, you enable me as your pastor to spend all my life studying, and it's a privilege and an honor. But if I can only find secret truths and you can't see it, then I have failed and the Bible is not clear. Look at verse 34. It says it clearly. Tell me if you can see it. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Why is that so important to know? Because he actually expects his children to live like their daddy. I want to say that again. 
Jesus, the son of God, actually wants us to live like him because he lived like his daddy. So sinning and continual sin should not be a part of our life. We should not start off the journey with Jesus going, I'm going to break your word a whole bunch of times, but I know you're still going to love me. I don't start off the journey with my wife in marriage going, okay, honey, I'm going to cheat about every five years. I'm going to get a couple DVDs I'll keep around the house, some you know, magazines, and then whenever you know I get bored with you, I'm going to go to another. You ready to get married? How many know if I started the relationship off like that, she would say, get back, Jack. I ain't going with you. I'm not going with you if you're intending on leaving me. When you look back at the life of Jesus, his cost of discipleship from the very beginning, and when you see it there in verse 32, was to obey his teachings, was to get free from your sins. Now, this is the question I want to ask you. All of the graphs were nice, but I want to ask you a simple question. Are you a child of God or a child of the devil? You aren't in between, and there is no such thing as an almost Christian. There isn't such thing as almost being alive. You're either alive or you're dead, my friends. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. Now, who are you? Now, those of you who have accepted Jesus Christ, you are the ones he is talking to in verse 39, to the Jews who had believed in him. How many here believe in Jesus? Can I hear an amen? This is what he says to you. Hold to my teachings, and you will know the truth. And what is the truth? We're children of God. And by knowing that truth, we will be free. Well, how am I free? Am I partially free and partially jacked up? No. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, baby. Who the Son, the capital Son of God, sets free is free indeed. I've come to preach to some slaves that are living in the house of God. It's time to stop being a slave of the devil. For the devil to come all up in your life and to be able to just take you however he wants to take you and just say, come on, you're addicted to pornography because I said so. You're going to die a homosexual because you were born a homosexual. You are my slave. Get in shape. Talk like the devil. Act like the devil. I've come here to tell people people you need to stop living like a slave and get set free by the power of Jesus Christ it's time for you to believe greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world and stand on the word of God Jesus came to make us real children we're not fake half children redheaded stepchild no offense redheaded people we're not that stepbrother from another marriage that we live in the house and we don't get to play Nintendo games. Come on. We are full-fledged sons and daughters of God. And he expects us to live like him. Jesus said, if you sin, you become a slave to sin. Hebrews warns you, Christian, because there are many of you here, here who believe, but you continue to sin, and there is a whole lot of lies to buy out there. You can buy the lies by the pound, and you can buy them in book form, and you can get them from other preachers. Some preachers tell you there's no more judgment on you. Some preachers tell you that you don't have to worry about hell once you're saved. You always say, these are all lies. My friend, if you as a Christian begin to continue in sin, you will become a slave to that sin. Your heart will be hard, and you will be separated from God. Hebrews 10.26 says, If you willingly continue in sin, there therefore remains no more sacrifice, but only a certain expectation of judgment that you will face from God the Father. Are you listening to me? God wants us to be free from sin. Well, what if I sin? You repent of your sin. 
You ask God to transform you back to who he made you to be. You ask him to teach you who you are on the inside. If God was not able to save you when you got saved, your sin is still in control. Then God is not a good savior. I'm going to say that again. We're about ready to read Romans, and he's going to drop it like it's hot, baby. There will be no more excuses after Romans. But I just want to hear, have you hear this. If you feel your jacked-up flesh, your memories, your feelings are stronger than the God who lives inside of you, then, baby, you need another God because the God that I serve, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things, and doing all things is not just getting a parking space. When I come to church, all things means to have a God godly attitude to treat my wife right, raise my children right. All things, God's commands are not a burden. They're the joy of my heart. Read Psalms 119. God loves those who love his word. David was a lover of the law of God. Some of you are afraid of it. You know why? Because you are a sinner. Get born again. And then those Christians here who still don't believe it, you're living like a slave. Be a son in the house of God. Lest you be like the prodigal son and leave your father's house. Do you know if that son would have died in that pigsty, he would have received no inheritance from his father. That's why when the father saw the prodigal son, he said, my son was once dead. Backsliders, you die. Ezekiel chapter 33 says your prior righteousness would count for nothing. Live holy for God. And if you believe who he says you were, and if you believe you can do what he says you can do, then the things that I'm telling you right now are getting you happy because I'm telling you, you can live like Jesus. That's what Jesus said for you to do. He wants you to live like him. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. But pastor, I still want to be a sinner. I'm going to tell you something. I love you, but I love you too much to leave you that way. I love you too much to leave you that way, friends. And we're going to read it out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. It says it more correctly to the uh, Greek, so does the New American Standard Version, NET. Preferably all new versions say it this way. Somebody even told me the new NIV translated this correctly. From the Greek, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. When you're there, say, I'm there. How many want to live as a son of God, a daughter of God? How many want to be who God called them to be? Now, don't raise your hands, but ask yourself this question. Do you still want to be an addict? Do you still want to be jealous? You know, read Galatians chapter 5. Read all the deeds of the flesh, an idolater, uh, you know, a liar. Do you still want to be that? Does that bless you in any way? My friends, I'm sick and tired of being in sin. I want to live like Jesus. That's what he said we could do. Now we're just going to read these 25 verses. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Just reading what he said. Somebody say, that's what he said. Now, let me just preface and say this. When we talk about uh, Paul writing the book of Romans, we do not mean that this is from the inspiration of a man named Paul. We mean that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. So these are the words of God, theanustas, God breathed. Can I hear an amen? Reading the whole passage now. There is no, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh and on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Come on, somebody say, this is good. This is only halfway through, baby. This is good. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put the deeds of the body to death, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Now here's where the conclusion comes. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us for the creation awaits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Everybody say patience. Put up that slide right there, baby. Paul said it so good. And I want you to put yourself into Paul's church here and then preach that. When Paul said that you were born again and now you are in a body of corruption and are groaning to be free, that is the state you are in today. You are changed here. Your mind has been made new, and what he is telling you is do not put your mind on that old flesh, but consider that flesh dead. It's your mind, baby. That mind is pure. Don't put it back in the garbage. It's not that your mind is garbage. Your mind is pure. Your mind makes the choice in your inner being. Will I live? 
by this corruptible body or will I live by the Holy Spirit? And Paul says, even on the inside, you groan, you wait to be released, and the creation wants to see it when you get a new body and get your shine on. But until then, have patience because you win. You win this battle against your flesh. Your mind set on the things of God gives you the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit. To see it all summarized now, go with me quickly quickly to Galatians chapter 5. I don't have time to read it all, the whole chapter, but I'm going to read it quickly. So now you can see Paul, the same author, give it to you very quickly. We're going to read it out of the ESV again. Paul... Uh, wrote the same book of Romans and Galatians chapter 5, 17 and onward. For the desires of the flesh are contrary to the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh for they are opposed to each other. Do you all see that? Let's put up that illustration as we read it here because I want them to get this in their mind as they see it. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Are you your flesh? No. Are you the Holy Spirit? No. You are a spirit made new in your soul. You're not the flesh. You're not the spirit. You are in between two decisions. But that has already been done in your new nature. Are you all with me? I will preach myself happy. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. These are the things your memories, your desires, those fears of an earthly body want to do. What do they want to do? As sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. How many know your flesh gets happy when it gets drunk? How many know your body gets happy when it has sex? It doesn't matter if you're married. How many know there's a special fear? that comes over you when you allow bitterness and jealousy to come there is a temporary reward in the body when we act in this sin are you all tracking with me it's hard to be patient it takes discipline to do the other things envy drunkenness orgies of the like as i warned you before that those who live this way shall not inherit the kingdom of god but the fruit of the spirit what do we want from god love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control and against such things there is no law now look at verse 24 put it up there for everybody to see please Verse 24 of Galatians chapter 5, after it's told you what the flesh wants, what the spirit wants, here's what you do, baby, in your soul and spirit. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When did I crucify that flesh? The day you got born again and put your faith in Jesus Christ? Why are you allowing your fleshly desires to control your soul and spirit? You are a new person. Put those things to death. Er, er, uh, Wait for the coming of Jesus Christ. Urgently wait and groan as your body will be redeemed one day. How come I don't get tempted when I'm in heaven? Because you don't have a body of flesh in heaven with corruption and you don't have a tempter up there. How come Jesus had to be born of a virgin so that his flesh would not have the corruption? Why did Jesus need to be tempted by Satan himself? Because he knew not temptation from the body of corruption. He had to know it from the outside, from Satan. We will all be like Jesus at the resurrection. No more tempter, no more body of corruption. That's what we're waiting for. But there is a treasure right now in the side of your jar of clay. And God wants to take you from glory to glory to glory while you're here by the Spirit of God. Let us, come on, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit will teach you how to live right. 
I don't know how to live right. I don't know how to watch my attitude. I don't know how to always talk to my wife right. I'm not saying that I'm sinless, but what I'm telling you is I'm a new Joe on the inside. November 5th, 1995, really things changed on the inside of me. And if I just listen to what the Spirit of God is saying, I will hear him guide me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And he'll do the same for you, Bubba. He doesn't want you living in sin. He wants you living holy. Look at your neighbor and say, that was for Bubba. Now, last scripture here, 1 John 3, 1 through 10. Somebody say, preach. Come on, you can say amen or oh my, but it's coming either way, friend. It's coming either way. It's tight, but it's right. Some, I said, who are you? Somebody said, the Holy Spirit. Y'all, y'all, some of y'all, just it's coming so fast. But you know it's good. You don't know how good it is. You just know it's good. Amen. That's why you got to go back over this, okay? Because you ain't the Holy Spirit. And you ain't the flesh. You are a soul and spirit inside of flesh. You ain't your stomach. When your body, brain, stomach dies, you live on. Get that in your mind. That's who you are. Jesus, I'm excited. I had to take a breath. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Reading it again out of the ESV. If you're there, I want you to say I'm there. Why am I so passionate about this? Not because it's some fringe issue. If you don't believe it according to this, I don't care. Believe what you want. Just live holy. I did, that's honestly how I feel as a pastor, okay? If you don't want to get into all the details, this is a little bit more intricate. I get it. Just live holy and stop making excuses for sin. Amen? But those of you who want to understand the details of this, it's so free and it's so joyful to hear what Christ did for us. The same one who recorded uh, Jesus' words in the Gospel of John wrote an epistle called 1 John. This is what we're looking at, chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. Once again, I'll read it all in its context. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed remains in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Verse 10, in conclusion, man, would you come and play something nice because we're about ready to pray for everybody. But this is evident who, by this, this is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. If you believe it, would you stand up on your feet, give God some praise today, because he made you a child of God. And if you ain't one, you'll become one at this altar. Altar workers, would you come? How many are going to go back and listen to this tape? Woo! 
glory. Thank God for preaching. Amen. I love teaching, but thank God for preaching. Somebody got free in this place today. Somebody got free. Some of you are going to get free. John said it so clear. If you're born of God, you cannot keep practicing your sin. Who was John? Do you know that John was known in the New Testament among the 12 disciples? He was a disciple. Do you know that he was known among them as the beloved? Do you know that at the Last Supper, when Jesus was sharing who would betray him, he shared that secret to John? Do you know why? Because the Bible says he, John laid his head upon Jesus' shoulder, his chest, his breast, as they say in the King James. John was a brother of James. They were called sons of thunder because at one time a city didn't repent. And James and John, they said, Jesus, should we call down fire on them like Elijah and burn them all up? And Jesus said, you don't know what spirit you're of. When John writes the gospel, if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, these are called the synoptic gospel, synopsis, meaning of the same. They all start, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, with the genealogy of Jesus, the birth, the virgin birth, the growing up and going to the temple and, you know, moving throughout the story, kind of a biography. Do you know that when John writes verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He identifies Jesus beyond an earthly name he received from his mother. And he said, Before he ever was born and received the name Jesus, Yahshua, the Lord saves, he was the Logos, the eternal divine Word of God, equal to the Father in his substance. And then in John 1.14, John says that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That literally means dwelling among us means he pitched his tent besides us. God came in the flesh. And then John 1.18, Monagustas, says that God, the one and only, came to reveal to us the Father because no one has ever seen the Father and lived. And it's John who goes on to describe the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus, a religious person. And let me just tell you, anybody here who's not born again and you want to compare your religion to somebody, I don't think you would match up to Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, a Ph.D. in the Jewish faith. He operated every day out of the temple. He prayed three times facing towards Jerusalem and most likely had memorized the song and the book of Psalms, 150 chapters, and the Tanakh, the books of the Old Testament and John records that when Jesus talked to Nicodemus he said Nicodemus unless you're born again you cannot enter the kingdom of God Nicodemus a religious person goes what, what are you talking about am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb that's what he says and Jesus says no what is born of the flesh is flesh but what is born of the spirit his spirit. And then John records the rest of Jesus' teachings. And in John 14, 15, and 16, we see the most in-depth teaching on the Holy Spirit out of any of the Gospels. And in those chapters, we understand that when Jesus goes to heaven, that the Spirit will come and live in us. And by the Spirit living in us, we will have God the Father and the Son. And then John ends his gospel with the resurrected Lord and Savior breathing onto the disciples. And Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Is it any coincidence that by the time years have passed by and now John is an older man and he's writing to the churches that read his gospel, he now says, hey, hold up here. We've got some confusion. There's some people anti-Christ, anti-my-Jesus telling you it doesn't matter how you live, you're still a child of God. Hold up, hold up. I got to correct something here. I laid on his chest. I was there when he talked to Nicodemus. I was there when he breathed on me. Let me make it real clear for you today. If you keep practicing sin, you ain't his child. Don't you call yourself that because I know who my daddy is. I know who Jesus the son was. And I know what that Holy Spirit is. I will correct you. That's what he says. He says, dear children, he's an older man now. He was the youngest of the disciples, probably around 14 years old when he first started following Jesus. But now he's an older man. And he says, dear children, don't you let anybody deceive you. Don't you let anybody tell you that these things are not true. And I want to say this to you in closing today. Don't let anybody tell you homosexuality is not a sin. Don't let anybody tell you adultery is not a sin. Don't let anybody tell you anger and outbursts of anger and cursing and drunkenness and selfish ambition. Don't let anybody tell you, my friends, that you can be a child of God and keep practicing those things. Because that's not who he was. And that's not who he is. He appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil. Real children of God can live like children of God. Well, Pastor, what if I sin? What, what if I do something wrong? He tells you in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I write you these things that you do not sin, but if you do sin, we have an advocate, the righteous one, who is the propitiation, the substitution of not only our sins, but the sins of the world. But he said, I write you that you do not sin. Friends, there was something in my life that changed when I got saved. It was in my mind, will, and emotions. And I haven't always lived like it, but every time I have done wrong, he's always faithful to forgive me and show, we, show me who he made me to be. As we conclude this sermon today, would you close your eyes with me? And in a simple faith, as Jesus said to the Jews that believed on him, if you hold to my teachings... You will be my disciples and the tr you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to know, is there anybody here that needs to hold on to Jesus' teaching for the first time and be set free from sin? Would you search your heart right now? Not have you been religious? Not have you been to other churches? I want to ask you, have you been set free from your sins? Because in just a few moments, we're going to close out and open this altar for prayer. And if you know that you know you're still a slave to sin, the wicked desires of your flesh, they drive you like a wicked slave master. Today, Jesus will set you free. And you will be free indeed. And then my second plead today is with all Christians, all those you know that you've had a genuine encounter with God and you know you've been free from sin, but you're beginning to set up a, a broken record, a, a rat race where you keep going in circles and circles playing the same thing over and over again. And as a Christian, you're getting discouraged. 
And you're wondering, will there ever be freedom for me? I've heard of pastors begun to drink alcohol to ease the stress of ministry before they know it, they're addicted to alcohol. I've heard of men in godly marriages. They start to experiment with pornography, and then before they know it, they're looking to live out those fantasies with secretaries and prostitutes, and they throw away their family. I plead with you today, Christian, before sin takes you out of the father's house like a prodigal son or daughter, I plead with you today to stop living as a slave, to believe who he said you were and to be set free from your sins. Confess them, repent, and come forward. And then my encouragement for all those here who say, Pastor, I know I'm born again. I may not always live like it, but I repent and I, I turn from my wicked ways. I just want to pray for you today that you would live holy, that you would be holy, for he is holy, that you would know that there's a war against your soul today. The devil doesn't want to let you off that easy. And I urge you, brothers and sisters, to abstain from the sinful desires that war against your soul. I pray that over Metro Praise today, that you'll live good lives among the people of this world. And they'll have nothing to accuse you of, but instead give glory to your Father. Because you live just like your daddy in heaven. As we get ready to dismiss now, I've given my two pleads to those who need to get saved, those who need to live saved, and I encourage those who are doing both those. We're going to worship. We're going to pray. If you have to go, you have to go. We love you. But I just adjure you to come and get prayer if that was you. Father, we are preparing to leave here but not your presence. I pray you bless us now with the revelation of who we are as we move to another sermon series next week. Let this be good ground, good foundation that we build upon. Let us never forget it. And Lord, I pray no one leaves out here the same way they came in, but they leave changed, a new creation. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can you say one more time, amen. Come on, God bless you. Would you bless him? Thank you for coming. Band is going to play, and prayer workers are going to pray. If you need it, come on forward now. We'll pray with you. If not, we bless you. You're dismissed. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you at Life Groups. Yes, God. You're holy.